With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is happening, everybody? This is Bob Wankel. I'm here with Anthony Sanfilippo, and we have a new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony, it has been a while, my man. Who are you again? <laughs> I'm not Russ. You no, know? Oh, I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not used to I'm, yeah. I'm used to like the hype man on the yeah. other side. What's I, going I, on? Listen, it's like 12 <laughs> degrees outside. It feels like baseball is <laughs> a million years away. It feels like... Bryce Harper or Manny Machado signing with the team is a million years away. It's it's hard to be hyped right now. I feel like we're – I'll be honest with you. Guys on Twitter are kind of shooting us messages. Yo, where's Crossed Up? I love your podcast. Where the hell are you guys? And I said, yeah, we're going to have something in, in a couple days, and then a couple days go by, and we get caught up. You're doing flyer stuff. I'm doing some gambling stuff with the website, and it just kind of gets pushed to the back burner. And and here we still are, you know, almost two and a half months into free agency, and we really, you know, Andrew McCutcheon and Robertson and Segura, and that's all fine and well, but there aren't a lot of answers here. And we obviously know what the main question is going to be. It's Is this team going to go out and get Bryce Harper or Manny Machado? And until we really have an answer to that question, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about this team because it's such an incomplete picture. Uh, I expect a significant domino effect here after one of these guys signs, and, and whether it be here or not, uh, I think a lot remains to be seen what the Phillies are going to do. So, I mean, what the hell is there to really talk about? You want to speculate on the fifth starter and what the lineup's going to look like? We don't know who the hell is going to be here. Okay, Bob, good podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so, so we'll see you. We'll see you a couple so, weeks. So thanks for tuning in to Crossed Up, and uh, we'll see you when one of these guys signs, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, but, I mean, and it, it's funny though because you know we were talking a little, little bit before the uh, before we hit the record button, and um, it, it, it's amazing how the story of the off season has changed from who's signing Bryce Harper and Manny Machado to. Why hasn't anyone signed Bryce Harper and Manny Machado yet? Um, and we, you know, we're we're ten days from February. We are um, what three and a half weeks from the start of spring training, yeah. and there are a ton of players not yet signed. And of course, you know, we're going to sit here and we're going to talk a little bit about you know which one, which if either of these guys the Phillies will end up with, or some other things that are going on with the team, or whatever the case might be. We, you know, we're going to dive into. To Robertson, since we didn't talk about him, uh, he was he was the one signing since the last podcast. Um, but I, you know, the the real story in baseball has has become the dormancy, and and we had a little bit of this last year, and it was talked a little bit about last year. Um, but I think it's even worse this year. It's it's even worse because you have two of the best players in baseball uh, available in free agency. And nobody's really trying, I mean, other than a handful of teams, nobody's trying to sign them. And that's discouraging, Bob. That's, a, that's, that's bothersome to me as a baseball fan. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that, and I'm glad you said it. I mean, do you think that the lack of action uh, and the complacency of these teams in signing free agents is bad for the game? Like, do you think that this is going to have a carryover effect into the season? Or once, once this goes down and everyone signs and they're with their teams and we get going – 
nobody's really going to remember this? Or do you really do, do you think that there's going to be a negative impact here? I think there will be ultimately a negative impact. I, I I do think people will forget it because once once Harper and Machado sign, then I think it's going to be you know a gold rush and, and everybody will sign everywhere, right? It'll be a, it'll be rapid fire at that point. Um, after those two guys sign, you're going to see dozens of players you know signing deals with teams. Um, but that said. I do think that everybody's going to get less money than they kind of thought they were going to get. I mean, you know, I know Dan Lozano came out and, and shot down the report of the money that was offered by the White Sox to Manny Machado, which is a hell of a lot less than he thought he was going to be offered um, coming into the coming into the offseason. Um, so the concern is, is that the way that the sport is going, that they are devaluing players. And it's almost to the point now where the players don't even matter other than maybe your superstars. And then everybody else is just kind of like, all right, you get a one-year deal, you get a two-year deal, one-year, two-year, one-year, two-year, maybe an option, and that's it. And and it's kind of concerning because it's really kind of going to put baseball in a tough spot. Because these players, you know, you have, you have a situation now where too many teams are not trying to win in a given season. And that's that's disappointing. And you know, every you know, the teams that are not trying to win are all trying to see who can get better down the road first. And then, you know, that but if you don't if you don't succeed with that, then you're gonna so you, you have an option. You're either going to be, you know, you're you're trying to, you know, go all in. Everybody's pushing their cart, they're pushing their chips all in, right? And hoping that they make the best hand. And two people might split the pot. Two two teams might split the pot and the other three they're going to be like, oh crap, we we you know we missed out. Well, you know it's interesting. Let me stop you there for a second. <laughs> yeah. it's, isn't it amazing what the the Mets are doing? Because you look at teams like the Nationals, like they're going all in, right? And in the AL East, you obviously have a historically good Red Sox team from a season ago. You know yeah. they're going to be good again. The yeah. Yankees are going for broke. I mean, you look at that bullpen, and teams may not score after the fifth inning on them. The yeah. Dodgers are going to be good. You have the Astros. So there's this hierarchy of teams in Major League Baseball right now. But then you have a team like the Mets who who are kind of like this, you look at DeGrom and Syndergaard and you say, those two guys at the top of a rotation, like, that's a great starting point. And rather than just kind of say, you know what, we're going to be bystanders, we're not going to get involved, like, they have gotten involved. They're one of the few teams that really doesn't seem like they're quite in that upper echelon that have said, screw it, we're going to try to be competitive. But you're right. I mean, the vast majority of these teams, I mean, if you're the Toronto Blue Jays right now, you're the Baltimore Orioles, who are a mess and, and a mess on purpose at this point, point but what's the incentive to go in you know like you know you're not going right. to overtake the Yankees or the Red Sox so the way that baseball has kind of structured itself now I think teams are starting to catch on to the idea that you know what like why try to patch together a 75 win team that we know isn't going to advance to the playoffs when this really isn't best in the short term for us because we're just going to spin our wheels and certainly it's not best long term yeah so I think I think you're seeing a league like you said where one-third of the teams kind of come in and say we're not even going to try right now. Yeah. So, all right. So here's here's my take on that. Um, if you're the Baltimore Orioles and you're the worst team in baseball, I get it, right? You, you don't you're you don't need to try and compete every year, you know, because you stink that badly. So you you need to you need to rebuild, okay? And that's going and I understand rebuilds take a little bit of time. So if you're the Orioles, I, I get it, okay? But if you're a, if you're a middle of the road team. If you're in, you know, a 500 team or a little bit better than 500. If you're the Phillies. You should be trying to compete. Well, yeah, but you should be trying to compete. And, and the reason you should be trying to compete is that there are five playoff spots. 
And once you get into the playoffs, you you just don't know. You don't know what could happen. You could get you could get hot for two weeks, and all of a sudden you're in the World Series, right? I mean, that's all it takes. And and it and it doesn't. You don't need to win a lot of games. Didn't that's like two, going back to 2011, right, with the 83 win Cardinals that right, find I, themselves in a World Series. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, it's all it takes sometimes is that you get into the playoffs and then see what happens. It's no different. I, I will I will compare it to the NFL here real quick. It's no different than a nine and seven football team getting into the playoffs and then suddenly thinking they can make a run to the Super Bowl. Where have we seen that before? Yeah. I mean, okay. we've seen it with the New York Giants, and uh, well, we, we the, thought we were seeing we it. We thought we were seeing it this year with yeah. the Eagles, right? So, I mean, it was you saw the excitement that built in this city. The Eagles were four and six, went five and one over the last six games, got into the playoffs as a wild card, won the first round. Oh my God, they're going to go to the Super Bowl. They were, they were one game over, well, two games over five hundred, but you know, one win separating them from being a five hundred team. And so that's what I'm saying. You get in and you have a chance. So the fact that there there are so many teams who are middle of the road in baseball, you say, oh, we can't compete with the Red Sox and the Yankees. Well, you know what? I give the Tampa Bay Rays credit. Damn, they're trying. They don't have the they don't have the financial wherewithal to compete with the Red Sox and the Yankees, but they're trying some crazy ass stuff to try and win games to see if they can maybe sneak into that wild card and who knows what happens. But there's not enough of that. So like you said, you point out the Mets, that's a good one. Tampa I think is one of those teams in the American League, okay? But who else? Like there's no there's yeah. nobody else trying to do that kind of stuff and that's what's frustrating. It's almost like we can tell you right now who the tw- there's going to be 10 teams that make the playoffs. We could come up with maybe 12 or 13 league-wide that you could put into that mix, and I guarantee you that the 10 will come from that 12 or 13. Well, yeah, so, I mean, listen to this, and I, I think that that explains in part why you have guys like Marwin Gonzalez, uh, Mike Moustakis, Machado, Harper, A.J. Pollock, Nick Markakis, who was a nightmare with the Braves last year. Yeah. You know, not for the Braves, but for opponents facing them. And then you go into guys like Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrell. I mean, these are significant pieces that are still on the market well into deep January. And, I mean, you go back to last year, right, and you had guys like J.D. Martinez, you Darvish. They didn't sign until mid-February. And then you even had, in Philadelphia, Jake Arrieta doesn't sign until March. Alex Cobb, I believe, signed right after him in March. So we know, and we saw this last year, this isn't a completely new dynamic. And I think that once last season started, we weren't really talking about this lag in free agency. But it does. I think it kind of sucks for the fan and as as much as the NFL right now has an officiating crisis on its hands uh, for anybody that watched the championship games the one thing that the NFL I mean there are many things the NFL does that are are brilliant but one thing that I really like about the NFL is that it, the the pace of the offseason is always fascinating. I mean, you finish the Super Bowl, and then you go into the, the, the combines, and, and then you go into the pro days from the college levels, and then you have the free agency period, and then that's a whirlwind for a week, and then that dies down, and then you get your draft prep going, you get your mini camps going, and then you're into training camp. I mean, it's almost become a 12-month it's a 12-month experience as an NFL fan. And when free agency in baseball comes about, you go like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, as a Phillies fan or somebody that, that follows the Phillies, you go, this team's been complete trash for seven years. And finally, this winter that we thought was going to have, uh, you know, so many riches brought upon us, we are finally here. And you have to wait. And you have to wait. And you have to sift through tweet after tweet from John Heyman and Bob Nightingale and 
you know, to a lesser extent, guys like Rosenthal and then Salisbury will follow up, and you just try to figure out what's real and what's not. And you read these tweets about how the Phillies are in on everybody and they can sign Machado and Harper. And, and now here we are, and it doesn't feel like to me, and, and you can certainly tell me if I'm wrong, but it does not feel to me like it's a slam dunk or a foregone conclusion that Manny Machado or Bryce Harper is most certainly going to be in red pinstripes this spring. I, I don't know. I mean, it may happen. People ask me all the time, anywhere I go, the people that know that I, I write about the Phillies, that we do this podcast, they say, what do you think, man? You're kind of in tune with things. And I say, Jesus Christ, your, your guess is as good as mine at this point. I, I really try truly don't know. And I maybe nobody knows. Maybe Bryce Harper and Manny Machado don't even know at this point. Tony Romo knows. <laughs> Tony, Tony Romo knows, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit disheartening. You know, you just you sit here and you go, maybe this will be the week. Maybe this will be the week. And uh, it hasn't been thus far. And I, I think we still may have another week, two, three, hell, maybe even four weeks before we do know what's going on here. Yeah, it's, it's so – it's – it's disheartening, I tell you. I mean, we could sit here and, 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 and break it down player by player, but, I mean. <laughs> and, and you know what it is. I mean, like, I'm, I'm tasked with writing about baseball for the website, and I, yeah. I love that. But I, I kind of feel a little bit hamstrung at this point. I, I don't want to well, yeah, do you an are, Bobby. You know why lineup. you're hamstrung? I don't, I don't want to write about the starting rotation because, frankly, I don't, don't know, know who's going to well, be in it. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, you are hamstrung because – when we ended the season, when we did those podcasts right at the end of the season, uh, end of September, beginning of October, and we started talking about what this team is going to look like next, you know, in 2019, uh, we really had a hard time, other than Reese Hoskins and Aaron Noah, identifying who was definitely going to be on the roster and in a position. Yeah. Okay. What here we are on January 21st, recording this. Okay, um, and we don't have much more than that. So yeah, we I mean, have I, Hoskins I think, and we have yeah. Nola, and now we know they have Gene Segura, and now we know they have Daniel Robertson in the bullpen, and we know Jorge Alfaro is probably going to be their full-time catcher, right, or the number one catcher. Um, uh, and uh, they yeah, got can Andrew you McCutcheon. definitively say at this point that Aaron Altair is going to give you a three to four hundred at bats? No, no. Do you, Nick Williams? No, no. Uh, Mike Alfranco? No, no. Cesar Hernandez? No. no. I mean, <laughs> is it is it more probable than not? Like, I mean, I think if you were to do betting odds on every one of those guys on an individual basis, they would be favored to be here. But I can't say with any certainty that any of those players are absolutely going to be here. You know, even Odubel Herrera. The word is that he's down in Clearwater working out and he's getting after it this year and it, it's all good and the Phillies have talked a little bit about his work over the offseason and that's fantastic but you're not telling me if they go out and sign Bryce Harper and then the right deal comes along for a cost-effective player like Odubel Herrera who does have a high ceiling uh, though he had a little bit of a down year a season ago you're telling me that there's not a possibility that it's a complete impossibility that Odubel Herrera isn't somewhere else at the start of the season so I mean that's where you kind of go I don't really know yet because there is going to be a domino effect. If it's not Bryce Harper and it's not Manny Machado, is it A.J. Pollock? Maybe. I don't think so, but is that possible? Sure. Could they go out and try to do a guy like Nick Markakis? Maybe. I, you know, like these, these mid-tier guys that have never been in the conversation for this team, at least externally from the outside, maybe they ultimately come into play. 
I will be wildly disappointed if either Harper or Machado doesn't show up here. I think that that goes without saying, and I think that everybody feels that way. But it's super hard at this point to project what this team's going to look like offensively. And I even think from a starting rotation standpoint, you have Aaron Nola, you have Jake Arrieta because of the contract. You know that those two are going to be paired up top. Then that leaves you with guys like Nick Pavetta, who I know that we both like. Vince Velasquez, like, do you really want to do that again? I don't know. Zach Eflin, is he going to be here? I don't know. Where does Jared Eichoff fit in? I don't know. But if they go out and sign one or two more starting pitchers, these guys are getting bumped, and it changes the dynamics of everything. So you just yeah. can't go too far here on January 20th with what the 2019 Phillies are going to look like. It's such an yeah. incomplete picture. And they still have no lefties. <laughs> Yeah, and they still have no lefty. Yeah, well, I mean, and even I, in the even in the bullpen where they have like a couple of guys. Reverse I mean, splits, have, Anthony. Reverse splits. That's you know, that. it's all those reverse right-handers. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that you still got you guys still got Morgan. You got uh, they traded for um, uh, Pazos and um, and uh, who is the other lefty that they got? They have three lefties now, don't they? In the pen. Uh, oh, Aust- Austin Davis, right? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, they, but they got nobody who sits there and goes, "Oh yeah, he's definitely going to be the lefty." Yeah. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know who it's going to be. Yeah, Tommy Hunter gets out lefties uh, or whatever. And, and I mean, Dan- and to, to Daniel Robertson's end, a stud. I get with it. what we just talked about. I mean, Pat Neshek and Tommy Hunter. Like, is it is it a slam dunk that both of those guys are pitching for this team this season? <laughs> no. I, I don't think so. I actually think that the Phillies would like to move one of those guys if possible. But again, you know, it, it, it's an incomplete picture. If they can't spend their money on a position player like the way they want to, then do they say, you know what? At the end of the day, we have to figure out a way to strengthen this team. So let's go out and sign Craig Kimbrell. You know, he's still an elite relief pitcher. And maybe that's the way they decide to go about it. I just think that there's still so many variables left in play that it's a completely futile exercise to talk about what this team's going to be. The only thing I can definitively tell you is that the Atlanta Braves are young. They proved a year ago that they are good, and they should be better this year. And I think yeah. that the Washington Nationals, even Sands, Bryce Harper, are going to be better this year. The, the one, m- you know, you know why? It, and it's a, not only did they go out and make some nice moves in free agency. But they have a replacement for Harper, sure. and nobody talk. Nobody talks about you know because everybody talks about Soto, right? The great year he had last year, but everybody forgets Victor Robles. Like they forget that he exists. The guy's been one of the top prospects in, in baseball for a couple of years now, and originally was ahead of Soto, and then Soto passed him and got to the majors. Well, I, I still think Robles came up first, but I think. I mean, Soto's obviously had a bigger impact at the major league level, but Robles is going to be their their everyday guy out there, and he's he's a five tooler. Like they're going to be good. The Nationals are going to yeah. be good this year. I'm sorry. I mean, for people that don't know too much about Victor Robles, I mean, he's a guy over if he if he were given 600 plate appearances in a season. I mean, he's a potential 20 homer guy. I mean, he's a guy that can probably. Jeez, I don't know. I think 40, 50 extra base hits is certainly realistic. He's a guy that probably, you know, slugs somewhere in the 400s. He can run around a little bit. I mean, you know. Good defensive outfielder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, he's a nice player. And you look at what they've done from a starting pitching standpoint. And, oh, by the way, they just kind of had a down year a season ago. I mean, the Nationals are going to be a tough out. Then you move on to the Mets, and we talked about it. I think they're kind of crazy. I think it's a dead-end road where they're going down. But I at least respect the fact that they're trying. Well, it's a brand brand new GM, right? Yeah. And, and, And I think they're improved. From last year. Oh, I, I certainly think that they're improved from last year. Um, well, they, they were right there with the Phillies at the end. You talk about value <laughs> in the margins. I'll borrow a, a, a 
familiar phrase from the Phillies organization, but I think that there is some value in trying to make yourself competitive because of the dynamics of what this league now is. We talked about how so many teams are kind of just saying, we're not really going to try. And it's like you said, you sneak in at 9-7 and seven into the playoffs as a football team. Well, I mean, maybe the Mets are positioning themselves as a fringe contender that can make things interesting. And then they add a piece in the summertime. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in the postseason with two great starting pitchers, you know, and that's a, that's a scary proposition for and anybody to, that has to face that and, team. And to be fair, they're three and four, not terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Zach Wheeler, no, sure. Steven Matz, they're they're pretty good play- pitchers as well. And, and let me just say, this isn't – I know that we kind of got a rap as a, a negative duo a year ago talking about the Phillies, but I just think that we knew – we knew what we were talking about. I'm sorry. I don't want to be. I don't want to sound like Russ, you know. But uh, <laughs> I think I think we I think we saw what was coming, you know. And, and I think yeah. that this team is significantly better than it was a year ago. I, I think that the Phillies have done some nice things. So I don't mean to sound negative here. I think that the Phillies have positioned themselves quite nicely. But I think that it also requires them to go out and now add that elite talent. And without it, I just I, I gotta well. be honest with you. I just don't see. I don't see it without that elite acquisition. You're right, Bob, because, I mean, yeah, look, there's still stuff that can happen. But as of right now, on January 21st, 2019, I, I think it's fair to say the Phillies are the fourth best team in the National League East. Yeah, I mean, third, fourth. But at that point, what the hell's the difference? Right? Well, I mean, they're, I mean, cer- they're certainly behind Atlanta and Washington. Yeah, and I, I mean, they may. And they, I think that the, the Mets might might be ahead of them now because of the because of the starting pitching. How strong it is? Yeah, I mean, it's it's I mean, it's certainly a, a an argument you could make, and and whether yeah. or not they're third or fourth isn't really the issue because I think we came into this thing thinking they could be the best team in the division, and maybe they still can. They like still said, can there's be. Plenty of they're time, sure, but yep. it's it's got to happen. I mean, and and that's really what we're looking at here because and and I think we were going to talk about this later, but we might as well just transition to it right now. Nolan Arenado next season, like that. There's no guarantee. If you want to kick the can down the road and 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 try to be positive that way, fine. But there's no guarantee that Nolan Arenado would want to sign here. I know that the Phillies would probably love to get a guy like that, but you don't know that he's going to be there, and you don't know that he's not going to blow out a tire in September. And then that leads you to the the stories that have come out now over the last week or so, which is that the Phillies are going to be interested in Mike Trout in 2020. Well, there you go. I mean, that's a revelation. Every team in baseball is going to. <laughs> be interested in Mike Trout he's a generational talent he may arguably be the best baseball player alive right now but there's no guarantee that he leaves Anaheim or LA or whatever the hell it is and there's no guarantee that he comes in place for the Phillies just because he's an Eagles fan like you know it, it's possible I know he lives in Millville still in the offseason I get the connections I understand all the reasons that it makes sense but it's no foregone conclusion two years from now that the Phillies are going to go out and sign him so, Correct. I mean, with that said, like, you have two guys, both that can alter the trajectory of your franchise, and they are there to be had. The market has played out in a favorable fashion. Mystery teams and White Sox were not. The market has played out in a fashion that if the Phillies want one of these guys, they can go get them. So I'm not satisfied with the, well, you know, we're going to save our money and we're going to diversify how we spend it down the line, and maybe we can take a big swing for a premier free agent later. I'm not buying that, man. Yeah, no, I know. 
I, I'm not buying it either. I think you, you have to be in the here and now, especially when you're talking about players that are on other teams and you're looking a year or two down the road. Yeah, it's it's good to know that they're available and coming, and, and if you have an opportunity to get them at that time, then, then you can try and get them at that time. But you can't sit there and plan to just, oh, all right, well, we're not going to do this because we, you know, we're going to, two years from now, we're going to try and get Mike Trout. You can't think no, that way. You just cannot operate that way. You, you can't. You'll never succeed. You'll never succeed thinking, you, you know, you're two years away from being five years, you know, whatever, or five years away from being five years away, whatever the, the old saying is. You can't think that way. You just you just cannot cannot be that way. Um, so let me ask you this. Well, I was, I was go ahead. I, I think I know where you're going because I, I was going to say something. Go ahead. So here we are. You've seen all the tweets and all yeah. the stories that package these tweets. And yeah. all the reports and speculation and inside stories and sources, hashtag sources. Um, do they end up with one of these guys? And if they do, who? It's a tough question. Um, I, know at the be- I know the last time we recorded a podcast, I was incredibly skeptical that they were going to get either. And... I'm not I'm not one to change my opinion midway through. So I will I will say still that they don't get either, but but I'm starting to lean more toward they might actually get Harper. Um I don't think Machado's coming here. I don't think he wants to play here, even though the Phillies could up the ante on the on the money. I think when you start hearing his dad talking and other people getting involved and, oh, mystery teams with Machado. You're not hearing mystery teams really with Harper, right? You're hearing the mystery teams with Machado. And that those mystery teams started to arrive after Lozano puts out the the statement saying that, you know, these reports are false and blah, 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 blah. You know, he's obviously not getting the contra- the money that he thought he was going to get. So he's shopping him. He's shopping him around. And it he could easily come to the Phillies and just take the you know the Phillies could give him more money than anyone else and so the fact that that that's not happening like tells me that Machado probably doesn't want to be here and so that's why I don't think I don't think that is going to be a thing that that happens I'll be honest with you I don't know if we talked about this on the show or if this is something that we had just talked about to the side um it's been so long, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I do wonder at that point, like if the Phillies come in with a, uh, I don't know, let's just say $230 million offer, and that happens to be the best offer, and Manny Machado begrudgingly takes that offer, though he doesn't want to be here, and it's, it's pretty obvious that he doesn't want to be here, but he takes the offer, and, and here we are. Do you have any concerns, and as much as I just went on this rampage about how you have to do it, and you, you got to sign one of these guys, is there any concern that he comes here, his heart really wasn't here to begin with, and then that in turn turns into a disaster for this team? Yeah. And you, you just get this, I don't want to say half-assed effort, because I'm on the record as saying that I think a lot of the things that happened in the postseason with him you know, stomping bags at first base and you know, the Johnny Hustle stuff, I think that a lot of that is overblown, and I don't find myself incredibly concerned about those comments. But I do worry about a guy – taking a 200 plus million dollar contract and not really wanting to be a part of the franchise that does concern me yeah I, I I think I think that's a fair 
uh, concern on your part. You know, because what ends up what ends up happening is is that if you, you you know you settle for the contract because it's the m- best money, and you sit there and say, okay, fine. And I'm sure Lozano would probably, you know, work out something in the contract where, okay, look, you can give. Why don't you offer him more money? But we'll take an option, you know, an opt out clause um, earlier or something along those lines, so that there's no guarantee that this big money is going to go through all the way. So it's a little bit of security both ways, maybe some options, you know, club options built in there, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, and then he takes it because it's the best deal. And then it's like, all right, well, let me just tread water there until I have an opportunity to opt out and see if I can go somewhere that's better. And that's the concern. And when I say tread water, that doesn't necessarily mean come in here and suddenly be, you know, a 230 hitter. I mean, he's still going to he's still a very good player and he's still going to put up very good player numbers like when but, did the Phillies become but he may not be an MVP though, candidate that's what I'm market, saying like this major market team with a beautiful stadium that they can sell out that has a proud recent history and like you don't want to I can't believe I'm going to say this but it's like you don't want to play for the Phillies like how dare you like it, it actually I mean I know that that's ridiculous but there is a little bit of me it's like Christ have we fallen this far that we can't you know that, that people aren't quasi excited about the prospect of coming well, here I mean, look, I mean, you know, I mean, look, McCutcheon signed here and McCutcheon's a former MVP. And yeah, I'm not but, saying that but. he's going to I'm, I'm not going to I'm not sitting here saying he's he's going to res, resort back to that. You no, know, he's going to he be a good player. But the word also was that the Phillies offer was, again, much more aggressive than than pretty much any other offer. The, sure. Like the Phillies blew them out of the water. So, yeah, but the point. But what I'm saying to you is, is that, you know, he's here. Here's a guy. I and, mean, you know, Robertson's contract wasn't ridiculous. I mean, an elite relief arm like that could have gone any number of places, and he came here, um, and he negotiated his own contract, doesn't even have an agent to do it. Um, So, I mean, there are players who will come here um, and still, you know, and will identify it as a destination location. But if you, you know, if you're a young guy and you grew up and you love the Yankees, and you have an opportunity to make $200 million a year playing for the Yankees, it's kind of hard to sit there and say, all right, well, pass that up. I'll go for 220 to the Phillies. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so Trout 2020, lock it in. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, I, I will say this. I mean, I am with you. I actually think also that Harper is the more likely player. If you were giving me even odds right now, I will tell you that I think if I had to bet, which I've been known to do from time to time, if I had to bet, I would say that they do get Bryce Harper. I don't say that with any knowledge, with any real degree of certainty, but it just feels like that is a guy that will work here, that he's a guy that they certainly could use. I buy, though I may be misguided and easily fooled, I buy the idea that this meeting out in Vegas. I know that there's some stuff out there that this was a smoke screen to kind of get Machado to get going. And, and that may be true. Like that, I know that's out there and I, I get it. And it makes a lot of sense. I have a hard time believing. And I think we had spoken about this for a moment earlier. I have a hard time believing that that brass got on a plane, went out to Vegas, met with this guy for a few hours, hit it off. And all of this is just a smoke screen 
you know, whether it be a Harper smokescreen to get other teams, you know, upping their offers or the Phillies to get Machado to get going with their offer. I mean, I think that there's a genuine interest between these two sides. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Phillies made their pitch to Machado and that they haven't gotten the response they were hoping for. And they say, you know what, let's move on and let's shift our focus. I mean, I think that that's a real possibility because I think that there's really no harm in letting this thing evolve. I mean, you don't have to lock yourself in. You may have wanted Manny Machado in December. That may have been your preference. But as this thing unfolds, I mean, a simple conversation, one phone call can tilt this whole thing upside down. So I, 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 be, I believe that there's a genuine interest in Bryce Harper at this point. I, yeah, I do, I do too. Um, and, and I think there was a lot that you could glean from the the conversation and the interview and the quotes that came out afterwards. Um Obviously, you know, the talk is is that Harper hit it off with Kapler. Um, so that tells me that, that uh, Harper that tells me that Har- tells me Harper's a bro. Glad you brought it up. Uh, I think we bonded over stuff like training, said Gabe Kapler. He's a bro. He's I think bro. we bonded over food. He loves food in Philadelphia, has an incredible food scene. Among the best in the country, if you ask me. So, yeah, I think we just hit it off. He's an easy guy to talk to, and he certainly is especially competitive. Which, by the way, I went to Giuseppe and Sons. Uh, Last week, are you familiar? Giuseppe and Sons, yeah, where's Giuseppe that? Giuseppe and Sons, it's on Samson, it's across from uh Oscar's Tavern. Oh, like I know where Oscar's 15. is, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like right across the street. Uh, awesome spot, did the restaurant re- uh, restaurant week thing. Ah. Uh, it was it was really good, man. I'm have always looking been, for I'm always ever, looking for good places. Yeah, I'm a, dude, I'm a bit a of a spot. foodie, I, like, okay. If you're like an Italian food guy, like, it, yeah, it's a good spot. Uh, have you ever been to Sampan? Yes, yeah, love the guy, it. The guy Scholson is the, the one that owns Sampan. It's his restaurant. So Okay. Yeah, so All anybody right. listening out there, by the way, if, uh, listen, if you're listen. looking to get out in the city this week, I mean, I highly recommend it. It was awesome. Just, just saying. You're going to get just, them to be a sponsor for the, yeah, for the podcast yeah. now? Which, by the way, if uh, anybody over there is listening, <laughs> <laughs> it's bob at crossingbroad.com. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, listen, so, I mean, I like, I, I, like you said, I, I think that, that Harper at this point is the more likely possibility. If I had a guess, I, I think it could possibly be him. I, I really do, and I think it may happen still. But uh, the, the weight is tough, and I mean, and that's that's really the bottom line. But I think that there is one thing that we can talk about here. We can guess and speculate about free agency all we want. We can try to guess and speculate about the lineup all we want, but I'd rather wait on that. The one thing that we do know is that Gabe Kapler is going to be this team's manager this season. Uh, for better or for worse. So I kind of want to know, and, and I think that if, if you're just listening for the first time, we, I thought for the most part, were pretty fair on Gabe Kapler. Um, I would say between the two of us that I was probably the more forgiving or the more optimistic uh, with him. But by That's the end fair. of the season, he, yep. he grinded me, and, and I think that we fairly criticized him. Um, I guess my question for you is, and this is something I've been thinking about a lot, are we kind of just married to what we saw in year one? Or do you think that he, not that he can improve, because of course he can improve, but do you think that we're basically going to see the same Gabe Kapler in year two that we saw in year one? Or do you think it's going to be a little bit different? And if so, where are the changes coming from? Well, that's a great question. Like, because I think we saw we saw some change as the season progressed last year, right? I mean, when he came in and, and beginning of the season and just did some asinine managerial things that really kind of, you know, the, the city of the fans wanted to fire him one week onto the job. Um, 
and and that of course came off of the rumors that oh the Phillies hired you know a total <laughs> a total dope right I mean there was there was talk about that uh, at the beginning of the season last year but I thought that he progressed and and did things differently and got a little better in certain spots there were some things though that he was very um, thick headed about and and stubborn and and didn't change and I think di- you know didn't change and and it hurt the team and most of that was. Uh, defensively, um, and some of it was lineup related, um, but at the same, t- you know, at the same time, I, I did see progression from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. I think what ne- what has to happen next is le- is less on the field, Bob, and more how he manages the the clubhouse, because I I think that we had a lot of, and I said this a lot last year. But I was talking about him as a manager on you know in the dugout and on the field. But I think we had a, a lot of the emperor's new clothes mentality um, with how things were treated in the clubhouse. Like Gabe came out and told us everything was wonderful. You know that everybody loved each other in there. You know he did the whole thing with the uh, disco ball and, and the electric and the light and the laser lights and all that stuff, and wanted to really make everyone outside of the clubhouse think, oh well, these guys really like each other and they love the environment that Gabe Kapler's putting in place. But then you know you would hear little snippets from veterans who would say something about the manager every once in a while, and you sit there and say, "Well, maybe that clubhouse isn't as close as you think, or isn't as bought into what Gabe Kapler's selling as you think." So I think that that's where his greatest improvement is needed. It's it's in there, and it's in the relationships and the communication. Um, I mean, we, you know, we can go over six million different things from last year. From whether it was Nick Williams wanting to play video games because he, you know, he knew four <laughs> days in advance he's not in the lineup, uh, or whether it was Arietta or um, uh, or another veteran who said, "As long as our manager stays out of our way, we'll yeah, be that fine." Happened very early on, yeah. I think that was a week or two into the season, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Or well, then, then Arietta followed that up with, "Didn't he have something else that he said later in the year as well that was kind of." Um, direct a direct shot at the man. Oh, about the uh, you know I, when they lost, he lost a game on a ground ball uh, on a shift that he said you know I pitched a ball. Yeah, they were hit to, um, hit they were out in San thought, Francisco, and I think it was yeah. Scott Kingery that was out of position. And, yeah, and, and uh, I, think like, I he, thought I thought I I, hit, I threw a ball and was hit where I thought my fielder was going to be. <laughs> so I, I look at this a couple different ways. I think we're going to have a lot of time to talk about shifts throughout the course of the year, and, and the shifts were better, though they weren't good uh, as the year progressed. They did get a little bit better. I'm interested to see how they take their data, and they also use it with better defensive players, which is going to be a, the, probably the biggest uh, part of yeah, the equation right. here, right? Yeah. So I think that that's going to be interesting. I think that it'll be very – I'm very curious to see what he does with his lineups, the continuity of the lineups. How much is he going to flip guys around? Is he going to do the whole matchup thing? Or is he going to say, now I actually have a better lineup that I can trust, therefore I'm not going to be so jumpy with the pieces. I think that those are going to be two tactical things that we will have plenty of opportunity to talk about as we go through spring training and then obviously once the season starts. The key question for me, or really I'll say the two key questions for me, I'm interested in seeing if Gabe Kapler is more comfortable in his own skin. And and what I mean by that is in year one, I think that Gabe Kapler really felt that he had some some great ideas and that he was very idealistic. And I think that he 
felt some type of pressure almost to be ahead of the curve, to be revolutionary, to always push the envelope. And I don't know that sometimes he needed to do that, but I think that there was just this expectation that, wow, the Phillies, they hired this forward thinker who is so articulate and he's so much smarter and well-versed than everybody, and that that's going to be the advantage for this ball club. And I just wonder now in year two, if he goes through the grind of a major league season and he sees how things kind of flow up and down, if he just kind of sits back and says, like, yeah, I still have my core beliefs, but I don't have to go to extremes to implement them at all times. And I think that that's going to be a big thing for him. Like, does he know when to kind of, you know, rein it in a little bit? And I, I think that that's going to be one key for him. And then the other thing is really kind of how do you balance your core beliefs with the beliefs of your players? Like, you may want to have a game where you look at Tampa Bay and you say, wow, the opener, the opener makes a lot of sense. But if you, even if it's going to provide you with a mathematical or a statistical advantage, if the guy that's running through that door to start the game doesn't buy into what he's doing, that mathematical advantage is completely negated. If you're going to hit guys in spots in the lineup where they're not buying in, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your, your splits are against a lefty on a given night if you don't want to be in that sixth spot. You know, like, there has to be more trust and there has to be more of a buy-in. So how do you balance, and I think it's a very fine line that he has to walk here, how do you balance maybe some of these unorthodox ideas but also keep your club, you know, engaged and also generate trust from the players. And I think that that's going to be the key thing for him in year two. Well, right. And, and, and that's, I think that I think we're kind of on the same page. You just put it out onto the field a little bit. I, I think that that's what I'm saying is that, you know, the relationships that he has with his players are going to be far more important as far as improve, uh, the improvement of this team than it will be the actual tactical approaches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, and I think that that's, that's really what we're going to find out with Gabe. And, you know, you said it, I think the last pod, might have been a couple pods ago, but um, I think it was the last one where you said by the end of this season, either Gabe Kapler is going to be a guy that we really like as the general, as the manager, yeah. or he's, or he's going to be out the door. Yeah, I, I did say that, and I'll reiterate it now. I mean, I truly believe you, you will know. I, I think it's going to be very apparent. You know, regardless of the end result of the season, regardless of whether the Phillies win the World Series or they win 74 games and miss the postseason, I just think it's going to be very obvious to everybody that watches this team that, that this thing's going in the right direction, that Gabe Kapler can do it or he can't. Um, I, I, I will reluctantly say, uh, not with a ton of confidence, but I, I do think, I think he can do it. You know, I, there were a lot of things I didn't like last year, but I I'm rooting for him. I, I kind of like the guy, and uh, he's weird as hell. But I, I kind of like him, and I, I kind of have this belief that he can do it. But if he can do it, he's going to have to show it this year for sure. Yeah, yeah you're, that's, I think this is going to be a very, very telling year uh, for, for Gabe as a, as a manager. And, and we'll see what happens. I love him. It, it, certain things could happen. They could, they could go into the season. We make, they could, they could sign Harper. They can make another trade and add another, you know, really good starting pitcher. They can, you know, you know, yeah, get, and, that, and that's, what's wild about this whole thing. Like a week yeah. from now, they could have it could be a whole different, uh, they could have Bryce team. Harper and uh, Dallas Keuchel on this team. And we're talking about a, a totally different scenario here. Right. So. But I mean, they could do all that and then, you know, have a bevy of injuries yeah. and then it doesn't matter what Gabe does because they just aren't going to win because of, you know, they're, they're all beat up. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways this can go. Um, but all things being equal, 
I, I think that that's, that, you know, I think that you're pretty spot on with the, the thing that it's, you know, it's a make or break in a lot of ways for Gabe as a manager of, of a baseball team. I, I got to say, we're, uh, I look at the clock as we record this thing, and we're like inching towards 42 minutes right now. I'm impressed. We talked about Billy's <laughs> baseball on a night in the middle of January where it's 10 degrees outside for 40-plus yeah. minutes with yeah, really nothing new to talk about. So no, I, I, I do have, we do, there yeah. is one, there is one sort of temporarily new thing, uh-huh. right? Uh, Aaron Nola um, is going to arbitration on Valentine's Day. Um, I, I still think the, yeah, I still think that the, this will be settled before that. I mean, they can, they can still work it out before it gets to that day. And a lot of times, you know, that's the negotiations. That's how it kind of works out. But are you a little concerned that with all the money that the Phillies have and the, and the comments from Middleton that they are going to spend stupid money this off season, that you took a guy who was a finalist for the Cy Young award and fi- you know you filed a uh, a salary figure of 4.5 million for him isn't that a little embarrassing i look at it two ways like yeah i i guess so and i think he what's the story that he wants a little over 7 million dollars well he came in he actually came in at 6.7 okay um uh, but he 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 was trying to get close i mean Keichel, his first, he came off the Cy Young and got yeah, his, seven point two five in arbitration. And his first arbitration year was right after the Cy Young. Yeah, right? and he got seven point two five. So Nola, Nola came in five hundred thousand less than. Yeah, that. I mean, with the precedent there, it's it's kind of easy to say, and it's not like Keuchel had put together four really good years prior to the Cy Young year either. You know, it's not like or three really good years. I guess that would have been his arbitration year after that. It, I guess what I'm saying is my only concern with Aaron Nola is kind of what the concern was before last year, as great as he was. And, I mean, he was no doubt one of the three or four best pitchers in the National League a year ago. There's some rocky stuff happening prior to last year. You know, there were questions about durability and, and really, frankly, even when he was on the mound, uh, his consistency. I mean, there was stretches where he he really struggled. Um, Certainly shows a lot of promise, and then last year he cashes in on it, and it was was fantastic to watch, but – you know, I mean, I understand having a little pause over Aaron Nola. Like, I, do we know for sure that Aaron Nola is going to be one of the National League's ten best pitchers over the next six years? You know, I, I don't know. I, I can't say that with a ton of conviction, frankly, and I may be in the minority in saying that. But I just have concerns about his durability, frankly. With that said, yeah, I mean, when the owner goes out and says we have all this money, and even if they go out and sign, you know, Bryce Harper and and another piece or Manu Chato and another piece, there's still plenty of money there to go and, and, and make Aaron Nola happy and avoid this whole arbitration process. So, yeah, there's part of me that says it's a little bit lame. Ultimately, I'm not terribly concerned about it. I don't know that there's going to be a, a nasty carryover effect into a long-term negotiation after this whole process plays out. But, yeah, I mean, I, I guess if I were Aaron Nola, I'd be a little bit annoyed right now. Yeah, I'd be a little, I'd be a little miffed. I'd be a little miffed. With that said, I don't know that it's a, a catastrophic you know, problem at this point, but no, yeah. no, I mean, I mean, you don't want it to get to the, you know, the arbitrate, the thing with arbitration is they pick one side or the other. There's no, there's no middle ground. There's no, so the arbit, the, the arbitration guy doesn't just sit there and the arbiter doesn't go, okay, well, why don't we find, you know, I'll rule halfway between the two of you. I it's do either, think it's I, either one or the other. Yeah. I do think uh, that the, I mean, I will say this, if I were the Phillies, I would not be in a rush to lock him up. You know, I, I don't know that I would buy out those arbitration years and try to sign him to some long-term extension unless it was at just a outrageous – I mean, you're talking about like the type of deal they did with Herrera. 
where yeah. it's just so team friendly. But there's no reason for Aaron Nola to do that deal, and he won't. And no. If I'm the Phillies, I'm just not in a rush to do that deal either. But yeah, I mean, the Phillies should probably step up and make the guy happy on the short term. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I agree with you, and I and I'm not sitting there saying that they should give in and give him his money. But I bet you, if you you know come a little bit more than halfway between that. So, you know, what, what's halfway at this point? Probably about 5.3. So if you come in at like 5.5, 5.6, I think Aaron Nola takes it and says, thank you very much. We'll see, see you again next year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I just, I just think that that's probably, you know, just kind of, he was a Cy Young finalist, man. And if he didn't have a couple of, of rocky starts at the end of the season, like he was a legit contender for and the award. team didn't go in the tank shit its pants <laughs> yeah that's that's really yeah. the nicest way i can say it <laughs> you know if yeah if september played out differently we might have had a, a much different conversation there there were big starts where he he went toe-to-toe with max scherzer and and bested him late in the season yeah. but it just didn't matter yeah so yeah i mean i guess we'll stay tuned on that one as well there's a there's a lot to be determined with this team um and and if really that's that's all we really know at this point, and it's crazy that we're this far into it. But we we will hold our breaths and, and kind of see how this stuff plays out as we move towards the start of uh, spring training. You you have anything else? I mean, I I'm surprised. I had the under. Uh, I had under 40 minutes tonight, but here we are. Here we so are. I, right? I feel pretty satisfied with the effort. I don't no, know about it's, the it's people. A, this but is good. I hope I hope everybody will be happy yeah, that you know. I know you it's guys, been. You guys wanted to hear from us, so here it is. I know it's been about <laughs> six weeks since we are, or maybe maybe even a little bit longer. That long, Jesus. I, well, you know, yeah, I, I'm not yeah. exactly sure if, but I think it feels like it might even yeah, be longer than that. It has been a while. It's um, definitely before Christmas, so. Well, it was certainly before Christmas. That I can, that I can assure you. It was it was December 11th, so. It's been five weeks. Yeah. Well, it five might weeks. be another five weeks before we have anything yeah. new to talk about. So <laughs> I'll see you guys on so, March 1st. So well, I mean, you know, we did say we would try and do every two weeks. So we really kind of yeah. only missed one spot in there. Yeah, Maybe listen, one and a half. Listen, whatever. if they make a couple signings, we'll, we'll double up and it'll all even out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We will. We will do that. But uh yeah, so it was good. It was good catching up, Bob, for yeah. the first one of 2019. Yeah. First of many this year uh, for the Phillies uh podcast crossed up it's going to be a positive year 2019 we're going to be much much more uh optimistic and it's just going to be a cheery podcast through and through every week i can feel it every you know me mr positivity every week all right that'll wrap it up for us uh for anthony sanfilippo i am bob wankel be sure to check out all of the other podcasts uh on the crossing broad uh podcast network that would include snow the goalie which has obviously been extremely successful anthony and russ doing a great job with that this season hey live show february 2nd at xfinity live after the flyers uh, oilers game that's uh, jason mertitis right and and some of the other flyers uh yeah we're doing a, types yeah we're doing a uh, philadelphia hockey podcast um round table that's awesome. So, I uh, absolutely yeah, will not be listening, but I probably will show up and uh, have a beer and, and say hi. That's all, that's all we need. Just we to need show either. the support, yeah. you know. Um, and then uh, what else do we have? We have It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia with Kevin Kincaid. Um, I think there's been some recent changes to that show. Matt, Matt DeGeorge, my former yeah. partner at the – well, not partner, but uh, co-worker at the Delaware County Daily Times. There you go. So make sure that you check that out. And then uh, – we have uh, Crossing Broadcast, which which still appears from time to time. We got Kevin Kincaid hopping on with Russ doing that show from 
time to time. Anthony, I know you've been on it recently. Yeah. And you might catch me on that at some point. And then we also have a, a new gambling-centric podcast uh, that will probably be making its debut in the next week or two, sometime before the Super Bowl. You may have seen the videos online, whether it be on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. But uh, we obviously are kind of getting into the gambling business a little bit. And so you can check out the uh, Broadline Sports Gambling, Sports Betting Podcast. And uh, right now that'll be me. And uh, I don't know exactly what the future of that will hold, but Kyle will be there at least in the short term for that. So make sure that you check out all that stuff as well. You got anything else for us before we get out of here? No, that's it. All I'm right, good. that'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon.